This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. Every once in a while, my dad would go out to the store and buy like the three weirdest things he could find, like chicken feet. Yeah, why would they do that? <laughs> and then look up a recipe, cook it up and try it. And it was really good because like you got to try everything once and some things were an utter disaster and other things were like, you know what, that's interesting. That's Jeff Faber. He's a classically trained chef from St. Catharines who's big on sourcing local food for his French style. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm actually going to jump right in. During your culinary training at Humber College, you did an overseas co-op in Amsterdam, am I correct? Yes, I did. What's the food scene like there? Holland in general, it's so like for the Dutch, it's interesting because there isn't really a Dutch cuisine. Like you there's no such thing as going to I'll go to a Dutch restaurant because generally the Dutch cook pretty basic um so the food over there is um taken from other kind of cultures there's a big indonesian influence actually in in their cooking so like you'll find th- um like uh they love their peanut sauce over there and just like mm-hmm. some of the indonesian spices where i worked in amsterdam was uh at the hilton and they have a restaurant there called Roberto's and that place is specifically a, an Italian restaurant. So mm-hmm. I, I learned a lot of uh, it- Italian styles there. And it was really interesting to compare that with the French style that I learned at Humber. What can you tell me about Amsterdam that most people may not know? Hmm. Amsterdam, I think it, it would also be pretty similar to a couple of the other places in Europe, but, but the thing that got me is when I moved there and the place that I was living, it was with a couple, like I lived in like with a few other people and in the kitchen, it was a bar fridge. That's all we had. And that stumped me because I coming from, you know, Canada and the States, mm-hmm. everyone has a massive fridge and it's always packed full. So what was going through my mind is like, how is all of us supposed to live here and eat and store things in this bar fridge? Because, but that's not how they do. They don't store food. They buy food for that day or maybe for the day after. Everything comes in so much, like everything's fresh. You'll go out to the store like you buy, oh, this is kind of what I want to do today. You'll buy the fresh bread for that day. You'll get, you know, some fresh veggies at the market Mm -hmm. and stuff. And like, that's how they eat. And it's so inspiring. And it also like moves to having less waste as well. And I, that was one of the main things I loved about uh, living in Amsterdam. Oh, I agree completely with that. In Europe, when I went to Italy, it was the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with that concept. Except here, we just, we don't have that red, that available to us. Is there a lot of fast food? It's not a lot of fast food. Like the, the, the fast, like, I'm pretty sure there was only like one Burger King in the main market that I saw there, but the only people going in there were actually tourists. Um, the main like kind of fast food was more like street meats and like things like that, um, duros and just like, you know, pockets and filled with like meat and lettuce, mm-hmm. spices. And it was like two euros for like this huge thing. And they're so good. That's basically like their fast food version. Okay. So me, who's never been to Amsterdam, I'm, I'm planning a trip. 
going to Amsterdam and I want to go eat some, where, where's the best place to go eat? Or if not the best places, but some, not unusual. I don't want to say unusual because that can open up a whole can of worms. <laughs> There's a lot of unusual places. That's yeah, right. that's why I got to really choose my words on this one. But if I wanted to go, what would you recommend? Where would you recommend? What area? What restaurants? Some of like the places that we ended up finding were they were very hole in the wall kind of kind of places. But the, going to Amsterdam, the one thing I actually do recommend is like the bar food. I think that's like probably if there was a like Dutch cooking, it would be that because mm -hmm. to try bitter ballen. Basically, it's like it's it comes like a golf ball size. You get a bunch of them and it's battered and deep fried. And on the inside is like a mixture of like potatoes and cheese and stuff. And like you'll get a stack of them and you'll get like a dish of like mustard beside it. Oh and my like, God, stop. That sounds so good. So good. Now, you have to wait till they cool because like for like almost like <laughs> 10 minutes or else they'll like blow up your mouth but like it is like the most delicious thing just like go to a bar grab that grab a nice beer and it's just like it's really good that and uh croaken and croken. yeah almost the same idea again just like deep fried but they're more like they look more like fish sticks and again they're just like filled with like meat and cheese and they get different kinds of crokins and stuff and oh you had me at deep fried yeah exactly <laughs> and then i'm just gonna slip this in the last one you'll find stalls and they'll be selling these little fish they're, they're basically fished out from the river that like uh, that area because the the harbors and stuff but it's it's raw and then they just put like some raw onions and pickles on it and the proper way to eat it is like you pick it up by the tail and just like over top of your head and drop it into your mouth and like no. it's it's just part of the experience like it's just one of those things you're there you just gotta do it yeah that see that's fantastic now i want to go to amsterdam yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna play a couple of games okay you good with that yes if you're not i'm still gonna let me play yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're gonna start with this or that the choice is yours you can get with this or you can get with that First one, salty or sweet? Sweet. What about Reese's Pieces or M&M's? Reese's Pieces. This one's been all over, this question. Do you wash your meat or cook it right from the package? I cook mine from the package. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. But it's a, it's a hot topic. Morning person or night owl? A night owl. Baked or fried? Fried. Chicken breast or thigh? A thigh. Truth or dare? truth oh, see, I'm, I'm all about the dare okay this one's important cereal do you pour your milk over the cereal or do you pour your milk first and then pour your cereal in the bowl i'm not a savage i pour my milk <laughs> over the cereal <laughs> <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your culinary experience yeah what techniques are you currently trying to master right now um it's funny like through like my culinary journey Again, growing up, like uh, learning French style and then all oh, learning a bit of Italian and stuff. What I'm learning now, um, my wife is gluten free and she has a lot of food sensitivities and stuff. Mm -hmm. So like she's recently taken to like more vegetarian and vegan and stuff. And for me, that is a whole different world of cooking that like 
I that would be I know nothing about when I make my wife like my wife actually is the one that usually cooks for me people are always surprised one she is an insanely good cook but two because whenever I cook for her I'm bringing out the butter I'm bringing out the cream I'm bringing like deep fry everything she like, can't have or like and even if I like altered it to her like it's not a sustainable like <laughs> meal to like live right. off of you know it's very yeah. heavy so I'm learning from her of this new, and this is kind of really trending now, this new era of healthy eating and how to like get more vegetables into your diet. For me, you just put a couple like vegetables off the side and stuff, right? Your meat is your main but, mm-hmm. you know, thing, but like, no, um, like learning, like taking a zucchini, spiralizing that into noodles and it becomes a pasta itself. Mm-hmm. Just heat it up for a little bit, put a nice pasta sauce on top and like, and like that's your meal, but it, it tastes so good. And that's basically where I'm at learning my and cooking right now is this new healthy vegetable, like dietary restriction, um, part of the culinary world. I am a carnivore. I'm not gonna yep. <laughs> say, yeah, no, I am wholeheartedly 100% but I do I've been um, tapping into gluten-free and vegan cooking as well and it's completely different you can cook the same meal the minute you remove that that protein from it Mm -hmm. that meat source then it changes it am I right yes no exactly yeah do you have a go-to recipe that's never let you down tofu I think learning to cook with tofu has been interesting Um, like my go-to with that is I kind of still treat it like I would with other proteins, like uh, almost like a fish. It's just a very soft, like a very soft protein is what I call it. And just like to dry it out. Um, you can like, I usually throw like, I use gluten-free stuff to like, just give it a quick little batter. And then like I'll pan sear it as much as I can mm-hmm. on either side to just give that outside the crisp feel to it. And it, it does have a sim- similar kind of texture to like a, a seared like breaded fish or something. And like that's kind of what I usually go for. And just very simple seasoning like salt, pepper, garlic, a bit of basil and stuff. I, I tend to stick with the Italian. My wife is very good with um, Asian flavors. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a whole different thing to master and I tempt it but like she's she has mastered the Asian flavor area with like fish sauce and like all these interesting soy and mm-hmm. and whatnot the kind of balance that you get from that what would you say is your signature dish and would you share the recipe with us please oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my signature dish maple syrup balsamic sauce on on a pan seared salmon you take salmon and i always love it with the skin on because you can get that crispy skin is perfect you always want to take your salmon out of the fridge you know about 10 or so minutes before you cook so you want it to like lose its chill and then you want to have it face down on some paper towel because you want as much of the moisture out of that salmon as possible that's what's going to give you your best sear on that skin you start with your presentation side down and in this case, our skin is our presentation as well as that's your goal to get crispy. So we're going to put the skin side down and then it's going to cook about three quarters of the way through. You'll start to see uh, 
it being cooked along the edges and stuff. And that'll give you a good signal of when to flip it back over just to finish it off on the other side for just like a minute or two to get it there. It depends how thick your salmon's going to be. But yeah, it'll take yeah about three to four minutes on that skin side down. Um, and then, yeah, just again, that one, one and a half minute on the other side. So you're looking full time to cook that fish is really only like four to five minutes. You want the inside to be still light and you'll know it's done when it'll flake on the inside a bit for the sauce is very easy. Balsamic vinegar and you want to use real maple syrup. And all you have to do is one part of the balsamic one part of the maple syrup and you just put it in a saucepan and you're just going to reduce that until it starts to thicken and it's such a great sauce because it's got the sweet it's got like the spike of the uh, balsamic in there mm -hmm. the acidity and it just goes so well on top of the salmon and i usually end up the um make it with like you can do rice or like a peel off or something and just add uh, citrus elements into that. And that's going to help work along with the salmon and the sauce as well. For presentation wise, I always just stick it inside of like a, a measuring cup. It'll pack itself into a circle. You can drop that in like the center of the plate, lay your fish on top of that, and then just pour your sauce along the side of that. I'm Mary Memolini, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Jeff Faber, classically trained chef and local food foodie. I wanted to get into a little bit about your background. You spent some time working at, is it Trius Winery? Yes. The restaurant in Niagara. Mm-hmm. Now, it's such a Canadian food region. Yes, yeah. Tell me a little bit about your experience there. It was fantastic. The whole core to this restaurant was cooking with like Canadian product and as local as possible. 98% of the product is from Canada. That's amazing. Yeah. And they have deals with like the local farmers and stuff where they'll get like their products. So like when I was there, the big one was like beets and asparagus and like and then we kind of adapt our entire menu based on all this local product that we have gotten. Okay, so I guess the menu would be seasonal then. Mm -hmm. Yes, very seasonal. Oh, wow. That's phenomenal. What are some of the standout dishes that you made there? I was hired as um, chef de partie. For that, I had to learn all the stations. So I started off in the Garmanger station. And one of the things that uh, I made, we took um, gold beets. They were big ones. And then we'd pickle them. After they were pickled, we'd take them out. And we had this big square kind of cutter and we'd cut the beet so it would turn out to be a square. Mm -hmm. And we'd take the square and then we'd slice off thin little like paper-sized pickled beets. And then from that, we took goat cheese and we put um, goat cheese and we put some like herbs in there in the goat cheese and just whipped it up till it was like light and fluffy. And then you put a dab of that in the middle of the, your sheet and then you just like raise up the four corners of the square into the center and kind of pinch it. And it creates this beautiful little golden parcel of pickled beet with curbed goat cheese on the inside. And it was so good. And it just plated so beautifully. No, seriously, I'm drooling right now. Yeah. The drool came out of the side of my mouth. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was really good. And one of the other things that um, really intrigued me is, so we did like, you know, little meat and cheese platters and stuff. And 
um, the one thing on the platter was pickled cow's tongue. And it's funny because it's like something my, my dad was forced to eat, but like my Oma would just like just boil the heck out of it and just like serve it, right? And it tasted awful. But for this, like you got to take like this thin layer on the outside and it's very rubbery and stuff. But once you get to the inside and you pickled this ton and like you sliced it, oh my gosh, like it's, again, it's just so good. Just what they do with this usual like cheap cut of meat that normally is thrown away and turn it into something like high end and just like mouthwatering. See, our kitchen when I was a kid was like fear factor to me. We had <laughs> all kinds of that go- cooking up in the in the kitchen. I mean, we had a lot of fabulous dishes. But my brother, my dad, um, my other siblings, not so much. They were more like me. But one of my brothers, they would eat tongue, cow tongue, mm-hmm. um, tripe, things like that. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> but I remember seeing it and watching my brother just enjoy every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Or family actually did the same thing. Every once in a while, my dad would get go out to the store and buy like the three weirdest things he could find, like chicken feet and like. Why would these... they do that? See? <laughs> <laughs> and then just like look up a recipe, cook it up, and try it. And it was really good because like you got to try everything once, and some things were an utter disaster, and other things were like, you know what? That's interesting. I've had sweet and sour maggots. That was interesting. Oh my god! Yeah, Mm-mm. they were dried, so it was like a crunch. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! I'll stick to jube jubes. I'll stick to. <laughs> no, I'm good. Not coming to any of my parties, are you? <laughs> no, no. If not, I'm gonna eat beforehand. <laughs> okay. No, can't do it. I'm a foodie, but I, there is a line I do not cross. <laughs> Fair enough. Did you learn about any of the finer points of wine? Part of the Humber course, one of them was a wine tasting course. Mm. Uh, luckily, that was near the end of the end of the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I did learn, and there's so much to learn about wine. And it's one of those things, like even like pairing, like wine pairings are so interesting to me. And once you like try things once, like you know, like oh, like all oh, this wine tastes good. But like when you sit down with someone that really knows what they're doing and says, you know what, try this like heavy cheese. And it's like, oh, cheese is good. Now try this wine. Oh, wine's good. But then, oh my gosh, just like a proper wine pairing like really does bring things out. I was starting to learn a little bit of that. And we cooked with a lot of the wines too that we made at um, at the winery. Uh, first like sauces and things. and. Mm-hmm just learning like if you're cooking with fish fish is usually like the oily fish that we have you can't pair it with it was more like a, a the sweet wines because you get a metallic taste out of it so like you actually have to go with like the kind of heavier and this this and that and um it's something that again i wish i was around longer to learn more about because there's just so much to learn about the wine industry In 2015, you became sick, and sadly, you had to leave Trias. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, you were diagnosed with Lyme disease. Yeah. How did that affect your work? It it was hard because, like, it was one. It was it was my dream job and stuff, and I love working. But as soon as I got sick, the symptoms of being sick were um, it. It took everything out of my life. Like, I I wasn't able to walk. 
I could barely talk and speak. Um, I was very spaced out and like I had no energy. Like I was basically just like sitting on the couch and for the longest time not knowing what was going on. So mm-hmm. like I, and even still, I've gotten better now, but even still just haven't been able to work. And it's, it's been hard to go from like loving work. I'm always a go-getter loving, like being in the kitchen to like nothing at all. And, um, it definitely brought me into a lot of depression at first, uh, just like, and it's not a healthy way to look at it, but like to value a lot of yourself in, in what you do, but also not let it define you. And for me, that was hard to separate because I valued myself as, as a chef. It's, you know, I was proud of what I did. And now when I got sick, I'm just like, I'm on the couch. I'm doing nothing. I can't provide for my family. It's, you know, like what's wrong with me. And it, yeah, it was definitely brought me into a very dark place for a while. Oh, I can definitely understand that. It was the exact same with my condition. When I first found out, you, you, you spiral, you kind of like, I don't get this. I don't understand what's happening. And then you go into the, why is this happening to me? And then when my eye condition progressed and my eyes had deteriorated even further and I'm leaving what I only knew how to do in the finance world, that's like, what do I do now? You really do hit that dark place. It, it takes a little while, but you do find yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. You do get out of that. I completely understand exactly what you're talking about. For me, it was a little bit of despair. Yeah. It's it's that feeling of helplessness. Mm-hmm. But crazy enough, I felt like things were coming to an end. But in reality, that was just one door closing. And honestly, it sounds cheesy, but another one does open up. Right. Yeah. And it's hard to see it at the time, but... It uh, really is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I can say right now for myself that I'm in a much better place than I was. What was it like getting back into the game after your, you know, a tough diagnosis like that? It can be really challenging. Yes. You know, what's, what's been working for you? What, what kind of got me out of it? Um, at first, like I knew I needed to do something. I needed to like put my mind to something. I needed to think about something and learn something. And I actually started out, um, because, I was so restricted to sitting on a couch and only being awake for a few hours in a day. Um, I had my computer there and I'd love video games and I'm like, well, you know, I'm sitting here. I got time. I actually started a YouTube channel based on one of the video games that um, the company my sister works for made mm-hmm. and it gave me um you know, something to learn, to learn how to edit videos and to like projects to give myself because I knew that's how I worked. And so I did that for the longest time. And, um, and then eventually through help with like a physiotherapist and, um, I've been seeing like natural path. There's not a lot of, um, as far as like Canadian healthcare system, there's not a lot they, they can do right now for Lyme's disease. So through natural path and stuff, I've been able to improve on some of these things and now with the the background of this video editing and knowing youtube and this kind of culture and you know streaming and stuff um i've actually like just recently i'm working on a new project of 
um, pairing myself with uh, a kitchen company called Pampered Chef. Oh, I've heard of them. They sell kitchen products and stuff. So incorporating that while making YouTube videos to give myself a job in the same career. For the longest time, I was thinking like, I don't have energy. I will never work in a kitchen again. I can't, I have no coordination. Like it's, what? how am I supposed to do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But kitchen is so, cooking is so versatile because everyone eats, everyone wants to learn how to cook. Just because I can't be in a kitchen, there's so many different things that to do. So right now I'm going to do my best to, I can sell really well-made kitchen equipment as for the people that are interested in that, as well as make YouTube videos and actually teach people how to cook in the kitchen, how to be safe in the kitchen. And just like how, and I think the main um, theme of this channel is actually going to be how to cook healthy for a busy life. That's the biggest struggle that I feel that a lot of people have to eat healthy is people work long hours a day. They've got kids, the kids have activities. You come home. It's like, yeah, I want to eat healthy, but like, these recipes, I, I don't know. It's easy to just go to the freezer, grab something, throw it in the oven. Mm-hmm. So I want to provide people with things that they can do quickly and easily, but also healthy. Yes, that's a wonderful idea. And you and I need to chat a little more about that after. Offline. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> now, you know, we've kind of hit a spot in the show where I like to ask all my guests to share one of their kitchen confessions with me. Okay. Do you have one? I, I do. I do. And I was originally going to go with something else, but I was talking to my wife and she kind of brought this one up. The one thing that I've struggled with cooking the most my entire like career, and even just recently I've actually gotten better at it. I've always had trouble cooking rice. Really? The simplest thing is... And it's this it's the strangest thing, but like I've always had trouble cooking rice and I don't know why. And I think early on it was more large batches and stuff, so we'd cook it in the oven and that's always weird to get. And I think I got nervous. So even cooking rice at home, I always super nervous. So I was always checking the pot, always like stirring and tasting. And it always came out awful. And, and my wife just banned me from cooking rice for the time <laughs> because I just couldn't, I couldn't get the simplest rice dish, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that would be my kitchen confession. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So you're no longer on rice duty. No longer on rice duty, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next one, rapid fire. Name five foods you always keep in your fridge at all times. Uh, Eggs, Um, milk, apples, carrots, broccoli, eggs, milk, apples, carrots. Yeah, that's five. (laughs) (laughs) And your favorite snack? Oh, geez. My favorite snack would definitely have to be... um, chips i i'm not gonna lie i love chips <laughs> ingredient you're most afraid of that would have to definitely be well rice is one but um <laughs> for me it would have to be like soy sauce mm, interesting. i messed up so many dishes with soy sauce interesting okay your most common mistakes in the kitchen besides rice and soy sauce <laughs> over salting 
I love my salt. Mm-hmm. So I tend to, I sometimes oversalt things. What's your favorite kitchen gadget? Ooh, my favorite kitchen gadget. It would have, it have to be the spiralizer right now. It's, I, it's a new cool toy for me. So it's been, it's been fun to play with. Name a chef you would love to cook a meal with. Michael Smith. Curse words you use in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, man. I pride myself in being different in my swear words. I don't like to use the F word because people use the F word way too often for me. Mm-hmm. Son of a batch of cookies was my favorite for a while there. I, I usually use I'll, that I'll, one. I'll, I'll pick one. Right now, it's actually um, because I just finished watching the TV show The Good Place. So okay. instead, so they say, ah, oh, fork me a lot. And ah, <laughs> oh, what a son of a bench. So that's, that's funny for me. That is, I use what the Smurf. What the Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Justin Timberlake brought sexy back. What would you bring back? What would I bring back? <laughs> I'd bring back deep fried foods. I miss. So good. Music in the kitchen. I love music in the kitchen. Oh, what type of music? All, and it's, it's funny because um, my managers always loved my music in the kitchen because I always went with a lot of the, the oldies. Like I like my favorite artists would be Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Do you sing along? Are you I one of those that do. sing? I do. And it's funny. Okay, but do you know the words? I do. Oh, see, I make up my words. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's, it's funny because... My wife and I both do it because like half the stuff is just like a high falsetto pitch anyways. So I'm not a singer. So it's just more of a, a scream than anything. But it's it's fun. Right. So you can just fake it till you make it. Exactly. So if listeners want to reach out for more info from you, hmm. how can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Bubba Fabes. B-U-B-B-A. F-A-B-E-S. Even if people just want to email me to know more, more about Lyme disease and that journey, and there's a place in Germany that's been healing Lyme disease patients. I'm planning on actually going there January to get better, and they use a brand new technique. It uses uh, stem cells within my own body, repurposed to reheal and stuff. That's amazing. And, um, the only problem is it's fifty thousand dollars so right now that's we're working towards that kind of funding right now we actually have a gofundme please share your gofundme page if you want to just message me about it my email is jeff.faber all lowercase j-e-f-f dot f-a-b as in bob e-r at ymail.com and i can give it to you from there if anyone's interested and we'll share it along with our uh with our podcast in the comments. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm glad you had me. I had so much fun just chatting with you. Oh, it was so much fun. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Mm -hmm. Keep creating, keep inspiring, and let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Yes, please. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew, and I'm Mary Mamaliti. See you at the next episode. 